please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Treasy. Hey, hey, this is Corey. This is Martin Mail, man. It's your man Chandler. And uh, we're the kind of movie critics, man. For all you Leezy stands, she is not here this episode. And this might be good, man. This is like a toxic masculinity episode when we're talking about the Irishman, oh, right? Man. No real lead women roles. Yeah, they don't have a lot of dialogue. Not a lot of dialogue. None in some cases. Nobody no. check us for what we're going to unpack yeah, for, the allegory, the alle- for the unpacking allegory. Unpacking of allegories. Allegorical. <laughs> well, hey, Context. fellas, I mean, it is called The Irishman. It's not called The Irish Woman. It is called The Irish Irishman. Irish, person. Irish person. You know, And in order for the women to take smoke breaks, they had to ask. You know, they had to ask Joe Pesci. You know what I mean? It's good old-fashioned male toxic masculinity <laughs> from the 50s. Oh, I'm just kidding, Lazy Man. Um Sorry you couldn't make it, and I hope you are not ashamed of us after this episode. Uh, how y'all feeling, man? Feeling good. All feeling right. good. Watching stuff. Enjoying. Just a little break. Watching. Uh, Watching got a lot stuff. going on. Got a lot of, I got a lot in the rotation. I got a lot of Thanksgiving weight and carrying right now. I'm yeah. a little self-conscious about it. You look good, man. Thanks. You look I mean, regular. feel a little swollen. Okay. You know. Yeah. What's the best dish your family makes? On Thanksgiving, that's Wa- a tough one. Water. I mean, my family, we out- <laughs> that's funny. We outsource a lot of stuff. Outsource. Um, yeah. yeah, they do get. They pick up collard greens from this place in Suffolk. That's like really good. That's my favorite thing. Everybody knows uh, yeah. it. So I get all the leftovers. Do they cook them in pork? Yeah, hundred percent. My uh, that's the my Thanksgiving is super trash. Um, it's not. Not even worth talking about. Shout out to the Coons. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Martin, what's the best thing you ate on old. Thanksgiving? Uh, probably sweet potato casserole. Mm, okay, nice. Uh, my mac and cheese never disappoints at uh, Thanksgiving. Mm. Well, yeah, craft is solid every time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> did you switch it up? Did you do anything different this year? Last um, year you did a little remix. Uh, it's just the types of cheeses that I use. I always keep it consistent. I use the um, cream cheese in the in the the roux, as they call it. Um, but I always switch it up with what cheese I top it with. Oh no, you did the pesto and the pepperoni that one time. That was, was last a, year. That was a big hit. Yeah, I didn't do it. I didn't do anything special on the inside except for um, I put dill. I, I did like dill on the inside. Dill like pickles. L- like dill the herb though. Oh uh, yeah, it's like so to give it a. I was like, cause there's one way to get me to not eat mac and cheese. You put, put fucking pickles in it. <laughs> yeah, I seasoned it with some dill on the inside, so that was probably the only thing. Like I did. a like a chorizo or a sausage of some kind. Like you know, a, I'm around like a lot spicy. of people that don't eat pork. Oh, yeah. So if I were to do that, it'd be specifically for somebody. Yeah, because I remember when you brought the pepperoni one, like I took all of it because like, nobody ate pork. It was like you and me were the only ones eating it. Yeah, well, that was actually a turkey pepperoni. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. so maybe they were. I don't know how this they, came to the Rachel Ray podcast. but I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry just to shut you down like that, but I know people are like, fuck Treasy's macaroni. <laughs> um, but it is good, though, by the way. Um, so, yeah, man, uh, Irishman, the... 3.5 hour uh gangster uh mobster political saga Martin Scorsese is that how you guys would describe it I guess yeah political political crime saga I wouldn't oh. call it a gangster flick Okay I, why but is it's that? about the mob Honestly I'm well we'll jump right into it like I I don't know I mean, you know I, I I go off trailers and and whatnot and it felt like this was going to be about a hitman and I felt like Frank really either he wasn't a hitman or like, I mean, it just was. He killed a couple people, mm-hmm. and like I never understood his rise to hitman status. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he killed like two. I mean, the real guy killed like two dozen people. At I least. know. Like, I felt like allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. 
I felt like that was yeah. never connected. And I felt like it really, so I didn't know what to think about this movie. I was like, okay, you're in the mob. And of course, mob people got to murder some, some people every once in a while. But like, I thought this was about a hitman. Yeah. And I didn't really get that he was a hitman. I, I mean, I he think killed mad people. I but think it didn't show that. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this movie is that like, the mob guys are in the mob, but they also have like day jobs. Yeah. Like they're all like union. Like it'll be like a union boss just gets killed out of nowhere, shot in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> a guy who drives a truck like just gets stabbed or something. It's like what? Right. Yeah. It's I, like they I will all, say yeah. that part of it, like the the duality of what's going on, like in the union versus the mob. Even yeah. though this movie is three and a half hours, I had a hard time understanding exactly what the Teamsters like even did because I'm not somebody that's familiar with this stuff, and so. And I've I've since educated myself, but watching the movie, I was like, I just don't really understand why all this is happening. So I think I think th- what Scorsese does, I think he does it here, and he does it in all of his like gangster films. To me, he assumes that you have arrived, you have arrived to this material with a certain amount of knowledge about how the mob works or their affiliations and their rackets and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, you know, the things where the mob gets their money. So he doesn't give a lot of narrative or definitions yeah. to. Because that's the thing, right? It's very, it's very cryptic. That's but I feel I like, like Goodfellas and Casino are films that you can follow without that. Because I did. Well, I mean, you can follow them, but they, they were less complicated. They were more like, uh, you know, we 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 catch trucks, we steal shit out of trucks. But you know, it doesn't have to be complicated. That's my whole assertion here. It doesn't have to be so complicated. And because instead, what Scorsese does here is he decides to like literally list every person that was involved in this scheme in real life like an actor is cast in that role and we have to meet them and they have a scene and it that stuff is less interesting to me than like the actual like narrative strokes of what's going on i'm not trying to jump ahead i'm just saying i had a hard time really getting i I did too because i didn't know where this movie was going like i was like because the trailer i didn't think it was gonna be a movie about jimmy hoffa this was a movie about jimmy hoffa like that's this was the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa in my opinion. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I guess I knew Hoffa was in, Hoffa was involved, but like I, I didn't know what was going on. Like I was just like, what is this movie about? Like I think Goodfellas and Casino give you that audience spoon feed in the early like how this is going to work, what's mm-hmm. going to happen, the setup, the setup. This, this movie, movie jumps right in. Yeah, which I'm, I mean, I get it. Audiences don't need to be spoon fed everything, but I mean, so I would I say it doesn't get. To like where it's supposed to be going to like an hour and a half into the film, and that's exactly. a problem. <laughs> yes. Oh, but I, I didn't. Like I didn't, I didn't I, mind the like rise of Robert. <laughs> didn't, I don't. I didn't mind the rise of Frank into like a mobster character. Yeah. In the first hour and a half, I didn't mind that. I, I didn't was fine really with that. catch that he was rising to mob status. Like when he finally was kind of in the mob, I was like. Wait a minute! What did I miss here? He started as a truck driver, yeah. then he worked his way up in both the mob it, and the, the way union. they presented it was it, it felt like overnight he I, he went from a I truck agree driver. With that. To, yeah. it, it seemed like he was like he was brought into the mob because he knew Italian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It seems like as soon as he had that connection and that conversation with uh, Buffalino. Um, in new Italian, it was like, okay, boom, now you're automatically inducted into the mob. My. But I think his initiation, sorry to cut yeah, you yeah. off, I think his initiation was killing whispers. You remember when the dude- Yeah, but like, my, my, my timeline of events was truck driver, then he stole, he got rescued by the lawyer, they brought him in, mm-hmm. then he became kind of a henchman, mm-hmm. you know, and then he did the deal with whispers, mm-hmm. and that he, and he was like, you fucked up. Yeah, and then he murdered Whispers mm-hmm. because he was like, "I gotta, I gotta make this right." Right, and then after that, he was a mob gangster 
Like well, it was like after he killed Whispers, he was like high up in the gangster. I think yeah. what you have like, to I'm realize like, is like at the same time, he's also like a truck driver. He's they don't really yeah. show it. He's also a truck driver. He's yeah. also a union guy. Yeah. At the same time. Well, and, and then obviously maybe this is just a testament to like how. Uh, forgettable the montage was But that's what the gun montage Throwing a bunch of guns off the bridge That was yeah, supposed to show you I, That he had I, killed I, mad yeah, people And yeah. he had sort of rose in the ranks And gained his trust this way I guess I guess going from Because when we got to like When he had the party mm-hmm. I was like What did he do? I, I, I Like what did you do To deserve this fucking party? Like what? Oh, I, oh, I felt like right. the montage it, it, it let me know you killed a bunch of people right. But it didn't let me know I, I don't know. It, it it didn't make me feel like you rose the ranks, but at the same time, it didn't make me feel like you were a hitman. Well, either. The, so it's exactly what Martin said. It, there was there's two things happening. One, you're, he's rising in the ranks of the Italian mob, mm-hmm. but then he's also rising in the ranks of, yeah. um, you know the the union, the Teamsters union. Mm-hmm. So so I, I'm not sure which one you're confused about, or maybe confused about it all. Both of them. All okay, because I'm it's with like, you. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's. I think that, and this is this is all part of my argument that I'll continue to fight for this whole episode, which is that I think the movie is too long for its own good, and that this stuff becomes opaque when there's so much exposition in yeah. the movie. Mm. You so could the, boil this down to its basic elements, and it would function as a better narrative. So, how do you fix that then? You cut. make a much shorter cut of the movie. Well, but if your problem, if you guys' problem is, is that you didn't you didn't understand. The transition from regular truck driver to now top of the league with that much time. But how you're, do you fix okay, that problem? so okay, my answer is that you you just supported how the movie does explain that stuff, right? Uh-huh. But I think that the reason Corey and I like don't pick up on that is because the movie is so long. There's so much information thrown at you that the important details get lost yes. in the mix. Interesting. There, there's these there's these bullet points that uh-huh. you're supposed to follow, but there's 45 minutes in between each bullet point that don't yes. connect the bullet points. Exactly. Interesting. So okay. th- I'm, I'm I'm like, wait, it, it, it felt forced. Almost. It's like, oh, here's another bullet point. But how did we get to this bullet point? Yeah. Okay, real quick. Martin, do you share this same narrative? No, I pretty much understand. I think the first hour and a half is about establishing his relationship with Russ. The uh, the next like hour, two hours is about establishing his relationship with uh, Hoffa. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much what the movie is. And, and then I mean, like, of course, it's an epilogue at the end after Hoffa gets... Right. Killed or whatever. Well, it's the inter- it's the intersection of his loyalty to both men. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like now it's put to the test, and who do you who do you I stay guess, loyal to? I guess I understood the narrative. Right. I'm just saying is that the presentation to me was very like meh. Okay, so like it didn't need to be three and a half hours. So long. can I let's rewind back? Let's talk about what you feel like the important bullet points were in the film for the both of you. Uh, for the both of you, <laughs> to me, <laughs> I I, 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 it, the timeline. It was when he. He drove the truck. Okay. So obviously that established you're a truck driver. Right. He stole. And then the, the lawyer, him getting off on the stealing, that whole scene, that segment. And then after that, uh, killing a bunch of people randomly. And then probably after that being president of the chapter. Well, he had it, to meet, to become president of the chapter, he had to meet Hoffa first. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So meeting of Hoffa, which I don't understand really. That is one thing I admit. I don't understand why he met Hoffa. Like, what was the connection between... Well, he did that taxi job, and then after that, he met Hoffa. And I guess it was also a thing of, like, Russ was trying to get him to be sort of a bodyguard because somebody had tried Hoffa before. So he mm-hmm. he needed like some heavy around him or so yeah. But it was it was it was a function of Russ being a good friend because it was a little bit more than that. It was 
it was um, um, Frank saying that he needed more steady work. You know, because yeah. he was already working for the union, but yeah. he needed more steady work. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, Buffalino looked at this as an opportunity to solve two problems. That was Buffalino, you know, how I looked at Joe Pesci in this film, which we got to talk about. Joe Pesci, you know, we used to see him in Casino, Goodfellas. He's usually the hothead, high wire act. Um, here, he is very much, uh, you know, Level he's head. very calm. He's very, mm-hmm. very flatline, like very reasonable. Guy, and I feel like they tried to establish that very early on with the cigarette thing with his wife. You know, when she started smoking in the car, I thought he was gonna slap shit out of her, and he didn't. And I was like, okay, so Joe Pesci's not that guy here. Um, so but really, a lot of what he did was solving problems, right? Like things happened, and he was the answer, you know, he was the problem, he's the problem solver, like he's the anchor in a lot of these decisions of whether or not something happens to someone just because he's very uh, uh, reasonable, I guess. So him introducing uh, Frank to Hoffa was solving Hoffa's problem and Frank's problem. So it was just a, it was a smart move in that way. Um, okay. My my answer to your question is that I would get to that point mm-hmm. uh, where it becomes about these three guys with De Niro's character in the middle. I would get to that way earlier. To me, yeah. this is a movie about these three guys. It's like The Dark Knight. It's uh it's Commissioner Gordon, Batman, Harvey Dent. Yeah. Um. I want to see that movie, and this movie takes a really long time to get at least ninety minutes. I'd say before it really becomes that movie. That's the that's the only narrative I really cared about, and I, I don't think you need as much background on the Frank Sheeran as this movie gives you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's compelling. Mm. I, I'm with you, especially the the visual effects on well, yeah, on, and on it, Young De Niro. Was you so spend garbage. so yeah. much time and money to make him. Try, try to make him look. You know, he looks like an old man from the first scene. He's yeah. just various. Well, he, I mean, I interpreted he was. He was probably like mid forties, late forties in those scenes. I, he reads to me as a seventy-some-year-old man who's yeah. been smoothed <laughs> and has like you know dyed black hair. Like right. it, it, I never believed With the hairline of a five-year-old. Yeah, the, like, hair, yeah, the yeah. wigs are bad. Yeah. I, what did uh, Lizzie say in our group chat? The lace fronts. Yeah, she was like, lace fronts don't work on men. I was like, yeah, can't argue with you. But yeah, I. I there's so much about his, and I don't think he's the most interesting character in the movie. He works as a point of view character, mm-hmm. um, but only to me in the larger like story of him being caught between these two dudes. Right. Well, so the bullet points that your name that that Corey's name so far you agree with? Uh, yeah. That those needed. To, okay. So so meeting Hoffa. Then what mm-hmm. else is important after that to you? Honestly, probably the f- falling out with Hoffa. Because okay. the 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 setup of of their them becoming closer is just goes on and on and mm-hmm. on. It just keeps going and right. going. And I'm like, okay. Is then when you finally get to the party, there's that moment. He's like, yo, you got to chill, and he's not going to chill. So then it's going to happen. But the courtroom scene, the going to prison, yeah. all that just goes on and I on think and you, on. You keep the the party scene where it is structurally, where it's like the end of Act Two. Mm-hmm. I just think you make it the end of Act Two in a much shorter movie. In a much shorter, gotcha. But but see, but we're skipping over the whole Tony Pro thing. Like the, you don't the need that. Shit. I don't care about that. Really, I don't think you need any of that, man. Yeah, it, 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 I guess it, technically it, you don't if you just show that. Like when he his resurgence after prison that he was trying to go after like corruption and the mob and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all you would need for the mob to kill him. But I guess they're trying to explain that the mob did everything in their power not to kill him. Yeah, yeah. In a well, sense. Well, I, so okay, 
I'm one of the few people that wanted this movie to be long, right? Um, and obviously, I know I'm the minority here. Um, I I just really like I just really like this cryptic space of the mob. I just like mob politics, right? So that's mm-hmm. just pretty much me. Um, I I I you need the Tony Pro conflict because it's obviously it's what happened. No, you don't. Just because it happened, doesn't mean you need it. Well, I think it's I think it's important to show. The like, I think it's important to show the stubbornness of both of these characters. Like, like again, you, you know. Uh, by the way, this is a shameless plug. Um, uh, we, you know, I was on Chandler's podcast, Act Three podcast, uh, WTKR. I'll let you plug that real quick. Oh yeah, you can uh, you can find that episode at uh, Act Three Podcast dot com. And we talked about this very movie. Uh, we had a, a much shorter conversation about it. About we couldn't quite get into uh, to to all the nitty gritty, but. This is something that we argued about on that show, and we're going to continue it here. We gave y'all the studio cut. This is the director's cut, baby. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, so I, I told you, man, my thing was I feel like the whole speech about solidarity, right? I feel like that was the theme here, you know, what it looks like when the mob is not on the same page, right? Um, so we had to build up. To, we had to see. I, you're, maybe you're right. I, without seeing a movie, without the Tony Pro conflict, um, having not seen that, I don't know how we can do it without it. But to me, it's very important because there's we arrive at Jimmy Hoffa being the biggest thing, as they said, bigger than Elvis, bigger than the Beatles, whatever the case may be. Pretty much the biggest figure in the United States next to the actual president, right? So we arrive at this place, and that's how we meet him. And then you know we see this uh, this fight with the mob, and I mean with with uh, politics lands him in prison, right? And and because he's in prison, his power fades to a certain degree. His successor gets named, and the whole system gets watered down. So it becomes about this man fighting the uh, a legacy that he built, right? Fighting for his position and his legacy. I don't know if that happens. That just doesn't happen without the Tony Pro conflict. I think you could have done. You could have kept Tony Pro. I think this whole movie just needed to be compressed. Right. I think if you had cut the fat, you could maintain everything that happened in this film and still deliver two thirty, two forty. But then you don't feel like because we covered a lot of time. You don't feel like that would be rushed. You don't feel like it would be rushed. No, because there's so much. There all almost every scene in this film goes on longer than it needs to. And there is seen like, multiple scenes that cover the same like emotional and story yeah. beats, which uh-huh. is which is something that is uh, conventional wisdom would say you do not want that in a film, uh-huh. right? But they leave it in here. I don't think there was any pressure from Netflix to cut this down. So I feel like pretty much everything that was in the shooting script stayed in, or at least that's what it feels like, right? Mm, I think you, you you know what's funny. Okay, so I, I do feel you in that way. I I feel like the things that could have been cut out, if you're going to cut out any, the whole um, Joey Gallo stuff. I feel like the Joey Gallo stuff could have been cut it's out. Superfluous, right? yeah, yeah, because um, that really let us know where it's just it was just more action, right? More more assassination. Um, Tony, that was the guy with the shorts, right? Yeah, I mean, Sebastian. No, 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 no. That was Tony Pro with the shorts that came to the meeting. And Tony in Gallo the is the, the hot shot with the sunglasses, right? And he got murdered. Oh, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. was eating dinner yeah. with his wife. Okay, that guy. The guy got murdered in the restaurant. Yeah, okay. Joey Gallo. Okay, all right. Um, so that I feel like because I'm, I'm trying to think back, where did that lead us? Like, what did that get us? I, I think it's just the show that um, Russ has a limit, like in. In some ways, Russ is probably the most reasonable guy in the room. In other other ways, it's like, yeah, you disrespecting my pen. I'm gonna send somebody to shoot you. 
Oh, that is true. But but that but that didn't even flesh itself out, right? Like that didn't even that didn't even rear its head in any other place, right? Or are we supposed to um, question whether or not? Well, I guess it rears it it rears its head as like once he's made a decision, it's final. Like even though, uh, even though Robert De Niro's character is trying to convince him, and I don't know where that is, but it, like they were in somewhere, he's trying to be like, no, we can't. They didn't. He didn't want Hoffa to be killed. He's like the decision's already did, been made. We did everything we could for him. That kind of like once I say it's final, it's final. Yo, you know what? You know what that just made me think. Did did uh, Fat Tony even did Fat Tony make the decision to kill him, or did Russ make the decision to kill him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't because the whole driving. See, I I did like that. I liked how the we're driving to nowhere is revealed to be them going to go kill Jimmy Hoffa. Right. And I don't see that's the thing. This movie's so long, like I don't remember. Yeah, who, you lose that. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know who orchestrated who said Jimmy Hoffa had to die. I thought you know what I really thought they were gonna do? You know how they'd be putting the white text on people's faces? Uh-huh. When when Hoffa walked away at the party, I thought they were gonna put that shit up there. <laughs> like <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa disappeared in nineteen seventy-three. Because like he was they did like a slow, ominous like turn around and walk away. Right. And I was like, Oh, you're done. Right. The party is when I knew you're done. You're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think everybody knew that. Yeah. I mean, anybody who knows anything about Hoffa, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I love the fact that they talked about that, right? I love the fact that they brought up that, like, this generation nowadays, Hoff is just kind of like a sentence. Like, isn't he some guy? They don't, we don't know yeah. much about yeah. him, but he was, but less than 50 years ago, he was one of the biggest things on the planet. Yeah. I, I like the fact that they addressed that head on. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way they killed him, to be honest. I, I, I thought that was, I've always appreciated that for Scorsese. Um, the way he kills people, yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah. some. It's not in your face. Yeah, so, yeah. There's so much buildup for yeah. Such a, a I, short I really didn't. I had to rewind it because I was like, oh, I knew you were gonna. I die. rewound it as well. I knew he was gonna die. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know he's gonna die right then and there. Yeah. Right. And then, in the funny part is when you watch it the second time, you see that when he comes in the door, Frank has the gun out. Yeah. Already. Yeah. I thought he pulled it out when he turned around and tried to run, mm-hmm. and he didn't. He had it already. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Damn, that's interesting just to hear that y'all yeah. y'all didn't it, because it's like for me it's like that was the whole. That's you know ah. it, it was a, it was like it was very similar to Goodfellas right yeah. where they took Tommy to be a made man mm-hmm. and they killed him in an empty house. Well, and, I think that issue is I'm I'm not well educated in half a thing, but like he disappeared. They. There's on record no no knowledge of what happened to him. Right. Um, I, the Wikipedia says that he did leave that restaurant mm-hmm. and that was it. Mm-hmm. So I'm I don't know what to expect. Right. I don't know if they're gonna hit him over the head. I don't know if they're gonna you know do the the the, the put bag plastic bag over his head. I don't know. So when he got popped, I was like, oh, he's dead. Right. Uh, you know because you don't know. Right. I don't know if they were gonna kill him in the house. I don't know if they was gonna. You know, break his legs and question him. I don't know what the hell. Right. They're doing. So that's why it was a shock to me because I, you, you know the ending, but you don't know the ending. But you don't know the yeah. details. Right? Isn't it kind of weird that Al Pacino, perhaps the most Italian actor in this country, is playing Jimmy Hoffa, who's just like a straight up white dude, yeah. and then De Niro, who is somewhat Irish and is you know a European conglomerate background, right? But Reeds is very Italian, right. is playing an Irish man. Uh, yeah. And, and and it is the second time for De Niro because he played. It's funny that he. It's like he never plays an Italian in Scorsese's films. And in Goodfellas, he was Irish, right? Um, that because Jimmy Conway was Irish, and then in 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 
in Casino, he was Jewish, right? Sam Roth, or Ace yeah. Rothstein. Um, and then now he's Irish again. When the fuck does he play an Italian guy? Well, they what must is, have been self-conscious in, um, this time. Not in Scorsese's film, but in Godfather Part Two. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah, he he's played yeah, the Don. Yeah, Don Vito Corleone. Um, but they, the it, weird blue eyes they give him here, because they're oh. like, oh, people aren't going to buy him as Irish. So, the, so give him the glass give him no, yeah, yeah, give him straight yeah. up like wa- White Walker from Game of Thrones eyes. <laughs> yeah, why? Why didn't? Why didn't they just go with contacts there, man? Um, I mean, I think De Niro is a, a very distinguished actor, and mm-hmm. he's an older man who probably doesn't feel super comfortable Put having plastic. Yeah, right. Like, so, nah, and it, they're already doing a huge amount of digital work on his face. So, I'm, I'm not putting contacts. In. No, it's <laughs> listen. <laughs> this this doesn't play very well over audio, <laughs> but your your face impression of De Niro is very. It's good. pretty strong. It's very strong. It wasn't bad. And you're, I don't normally say that yeah. to you. Yeah, <sighs> but no, it looks it looks terrible. I think that's the critical flaw. Like I might have been able to buy the D aging if he didn't look like an alien with the eyes like yeah, he just looks yeah. terrible those man. are it was very distracting the truck that. it wasn't the eyes it was the whole head his, his head, head yeah. his head he had like no neck and well, yeah like they put exactly. a little scarf around him i think to hide that like it looked bad i mean and we talked about this on act three as well but these are old guys yeah. who their bodies instantly read their age like you can just tell immediately that this is a guy who's like almost 80 years old yeah right. and with good skin. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's just the posture, the way he holds himself. And and it, also, like, the shape of his head. Like, Robert De Niro does not look like he did when he was a young man. Right. Yeah. His yeah. head looks like an old man's head that's been digitally smoothed out. Like, I think if you look at the skin, mm-hmm. it looks real. Sure, it looks like it exists. Yeah. But I've never seen a person that looks like that. Yeah, they should have took the cheeks in a little bit. It's like there's a like lot when of they did Sam done. Jackson in uh in Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, they slimmed him down. Right, they take a lot out of his face to make him look younger. Right, because that's what happens when you get older. But there, there's it's it's like plastic surgery. It's like you know when you look at like someone who's in their you know late in their fifties, right, and they get mm. plastic surgery and they pull their face back and they give it's like. You don't look fifty anymore. Like no yeah, matter how exactly. young-ish you may look, some of us will age gracefully. Some of us will age like an avocado. But it's like you, you're just not twenty. So like I think that's the issue is that you have to be realistic about what you're trying to accomplish. Well, and, and this, I think Sam Adams, uh, not Sam Adams, uh, Sam Jackson um, was realistic. It's like all right, let's yeah. take ten years off. You, right, right. Not well, forty. Uh, Sam Jackson is seventy years old. Yes, he is, and they make him look. 40-ish in that movie. So they did take like 30 years off. Yeah. But you got to account for the black don't crack. So that's Well, like- certainly. And I also think like this is something that as we just keep digging the de-aging hole deeper and deeper, like this is something Ang Lee was conscious of with Gemini Man where they made a fully digital Will Smith mm-hmm. so that he didn't have that problem of looking like a 50-year-old. Oh, they had a problem with they made a shitty movie. So. <laughs> well, the movie, is ter- the movie is terrible, but I th- the special effects on the movie are fascinating. Mm-hmm. I just can't buy in it, man. I I don't know. I would don't, ra- don't like de aging ever. I, most of the time, it 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 ages literally. Well, yeah, because if you go look, back and yeah. watch uh, what, Benjamin Tron, Benjamin. yeah, Tron, Benjamin. It's funny because I made the comment that I thought Tron didn't look that bad. I remember that, and then Tron. I saw it, Tron. Like it a looks week later. It looks terrible. It's, <laughs> it's terrifying if you look yeah. at it. It's crazy. They thought people would believe that. Yeah, and and I just think it's it, I don't know. Or you need to be more reserved. Um, I'm trying to think when they did uh, Patrick Stewart in X Men a couple years back. Did that? Does that still hold up? Uh, well, the last time they de-aged him was 2006 for, or no, 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 they did it 2009 for 
uh, Wolverine Origins, and it's bad, and yeah. it's terrible in X Men Three as well. Yeah, mm. he hasn't had a good go at it. I am at a point where because now he's just James McAvoy. And that's yeah, I'm about to say like just hire a James. Like I'm at a point with with Scorsese. I think you should have maybe hired just a different actor. Yeah, but so much of the story. I mean, I think obviously the draw here is Pacino, mm-hmm. De Niro, Pesci. I get it. That's the draw. Um, one, I don't think there's any actor that can fill any of the, any no. of their shoes. Um, I, I'm gonna tell you one guy who I thought was, but ever since he had that um, murder charge and he mm-hmm. came back, it hasn't that been does well tend to hurt your career. It does tend to hurt your career. But Lilo Brigante Jr. If you ever seen um, the, a Bronx Tale. Mm-hmm. Remember me telling you about a Bronx Tale? You've seen a Bronx Tale, yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, as well. Yeah. So um, the guy who played Cologero, the young okay. Cologero, he um, he does a mean Bobby De Niro impersonation. Mm-hmm. He was in that. Um, he was in a movie with like Stacy Dash, and they were in the military. I forget what it was called, man. Um, but he did a really good Robert De Niro okay. impression there. Um, I, to me, I you know outside of him, I don't know any other young actors that really young Italian, young Irish. I say Joseph Gordon Levitt. Put some makeup on him. Do, and do the Bruce Willis funny? thing. Do the I Bruce Willis could, cheeks like well, they I, do. You know, I was just thinking about Looper, which mm-hmm. is a movie that wouldn't exist in that form today. Yeah. But I, Joseph Gordon Levitt could do a De Niro, and he kind of looks like like Taxi Driver era De Niro a little yeah, bit. Do you remember right. uh, James Franco's brother dressed up as De Niro in the, in the <laughs> comedy? Yeah. Yo, that was good. He was like, he's like Jinxie like Cat, yeah. <laughs> the little cat, yeah, the fake cat. <laughs> he did good. You know, uh, Paul Rudd does a really good. Yeah, uh, yeah he does. Uh, De Niro At this point, too. I would have accepted instead of giving me when he was the truck driver De Niro. Give me the party De Niro. Yeah, just and I just the, would have been fine. Because like, and he's still de-aged at that point. But it doesn't look as bad. No, because it's much more subtle. Yeah. And he still looks like a guy in his uh, you know, late fifties, early sixties. I would have took that. My brain would have just been like, okay, sure. that's fine. Yeah, because sure. at that point in the movie it's not a, a you know, an aberration anymore. Like it's it's okay. Was it you or was it Steven Chandler that said that there was a posture coach on set? Uh, that was me. That they was they you. did have a posture coach on set, and I think maybe it worked with like uh, Pesci because I think Pesci doesn't have that problem. Pesci, Pesci, yeah. Pesci's been old for like fifty years, right? Well, and the de aging yeah. looks flawless on him. It, it does, really and good. I think it that, looks good on him. But he also, I was looking at his posture, and he stands like a he stands very straight. He doesn't hunch. He, you know what I mean? Pesci's yeah. De Niro like does. De Niro is like you know he's aging. Yeah, it's he's like, crouched all Pesci the time. Pesci is like Tommy Lee Jones. Like you've just been old your whole life. And like yeah. every yeah. movie I've ever seen, Joe Pesci in, like you're old. He, like, yeah, he looks so like I think it would work. And even though Al Pacino, no, because obviously we've seen Al Pacino and when he was youthful. But like at the same time, Al Pacino holds up better than De Niro. I think they yeah, just no, went too Pacino hard. Looks all right. They went harder on De Niro. Well, than they shouldn't uh, have. because De Niro's character seemed like they did the did the most age transformation. Exactly. I meant. Yeah, like, like they yeah, shouldn't. Like, he should have just. You could have just made him look. Like you know, sixty the yeah. whole movie, yeah. and uh, no one would have even thought about like, well, isn't he supposed to look younger? He, yeah. No one would have even considered that. That's a good point. Yeah, because I don't really even even because the way they jump around with time, there's is very no flawless. yeah, there's no years that pop up at the bottom. Yeah. You know, it, you don't even really need to know how What's long happening. takes place. That's very true. Okay, so in that way, I kind of I kind of understand it. But I um, support any any director experimenting with technology and especially somebody like Scorsese. I think that's cool cuz he's a an older filmmaker and he's embracing like modern uh filmmaking right. technology and that's yeah. cool. I don't want to knock him for it. I just don't think it works. Yeah. And and I will say that about Ang Lee too with Gemini Man. Yeah. I like it. you yeah. got he there's a lot of bravery 
to yeah. digitally recreate someone and then also shoot an entire film in 120 frames per second. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think, mean, I, I get it. There's, you know, we wouldn't be where we are if these people didn't make experiments. If, you know, obviously there's tons and tons of movies that look bad today, but we wouldn't be where we are if they didn't try. Well, so. I mean, Attack of the Clones, like the yeah. first uh, large scale production that shot digitally. Yeah. And it looks terrible now, but yeah. now everything's shot digitally, yeah. including so the Irish. Someone screen. had to do it. Right. And so, well, you know, you just got to cross that you bear, I guess. Yeah. You know? Uh, a couple of things I didn't like about the film too just creatively I, I didn't like the the talking into the camera that they gave up on two thirds into the movie I don't even remember that I think that that's like a you're talking about when De Niro's the old man in the retirement yeah, home yeah. Uh, yeah that's supposed to be him talking to the author of the book the um I heard you paint houses that book that, didn't right. catch that at all I, I I, I interpret yeah. it as classic um, Scorsese who breaks the third wall, yeah, fourth wall, whatever they call. It. But and he does, but he doesn't do it that often. This is this exactly. might so be the weird. only time he's so done it. So it was weird. It there's, was like, oh, you did it five times and then we quit. There's a like narr- what? Well, there's a narrative element in all of those films where there's always like there a voiceover, is, but it's consistent. It and is it, consistent. I felt like this is the one where it wasn't consistent. It's like okay, well, so now we're in the old folks' home. Like he doesn't talk to the camera anymore. Well, well it only happens in the old folks' scene. Yes. And it, it's because of exactly what Martin says, yes. because this guy, you know, if you know anything about the backstory, um, Frank Sheeran, uh, three days before he died, he actually yeah. had an interview and, and he where confessed. he confessed all yeah, this yeah. stuff. So and I, he, he stopped eating after that interview. That's, I think, part of the reason he oh, died. Really? Yeah. yeah. But also, too, uh, I, I watched a little YouTube video that said on record 14 people. Have confessed to killing Hoffa. Right. Even the guy yeah. who they did the Iceman. The Ice movie. Man, yeah, yeah, like so. It's that. like, yeah. all right, guys, one of y'all, you know, somebody lying. So somebody's lying. Right. And then, so I felt that was weird. Um, I, in the beginning, I don't know if y'all remember when they were driving. There was a scene where they wrote, "I, I heard you paint houses." Yeah, it was like superimposed yes. into the footage. I thought that was weird. Oh, like, but well, that's like that's the, the, the that's the on screen title for the movie yeah. at the beginning and the end. But it's not the name of the movie. But it is that's in the, the movie. The it is yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's the marketed the... as the Irish. Right. Yeah. But the movie, if you just watch it in a vacuum, it's, yeah, it's I called I Heard You Paint Houses. It should have called it I Heard You Paint Houses. That's a way better title. It is a much better title. Yeah, it's like a way better title. Yeah. Um I would imagine there's probably some marketing reason why. Yeah. Um they wanted a better Irish demographic. Well, maybe. also, yeah. I thought that would have been a good way. I thought, based on watching the trailer, I thought that was going to be how he does like his hitman shit. Like he gets, shows up with a can of paint and a brush. Or and no, like, like someone nice. called. Someone called. That, you know how like you know in spy yeah. movies sometimes you got to say like something call off. Painter. Yeah, yeah you, know, I, you remember in um. Oh, what's it called? Uh, Breaking Bad. He was like, I need a, I need a vacuum yeah. model X two one five. Like I thought that was gonna be. The so theme. they call Frank and they're like, Hey Frank, I heard you paint. I need you to take care of this guy. Give him three coats, all right? <laughs> yeah, like I thought. <laughs> no primer. I thought that was <laughs> glossy finish, eggshell. Like I thought that was gonna be the thing. It was like, Yo, I heard you paint houses, and he was gonna be like, Yeah, I, I do my own carpentry. Like that's how. Well, and for a, for a what, hit goes down. For yeah. what is the title of the book and the movie? It is weird how they don't talk about that that much. They don't. Yeah. He really mentions it in dialogue, and then one guy, I forget who says it. I think it Hoffa, says, Hoffa it says it to him. Yeah. And that's it. I heard you paint yeah. houses, yeah. But well, it, I took it to understand that that was how people yeah. asked and him then for too, a hit. Did right. he kill someone for Hoffa? When, oh. he, when Hoffa said, I heard yeah, you paint right. houses, I don't think he went and killed someone. Well, I, I, I think it's, I, it's probably implied that he did. I think their friendship was. I think it, it's. I think it's implied that he did right because that's when he came to Chicago the first time. Mm-hmm. You know they were they were tossing the cabs and so they were basically overthrowing yeah. a whole nother competitor. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm sure there's an implied that he did somewhere. Just right off the top, can you think of uh, Martin where he actually killed somebody for Hoffa? Um, I'm sure he did at some point. I think I heard you paint houses is also like I heard you're like a fixer or you're a guy who gets stuff done type mm. of thing. See, that's right. where I'm saying the movie, it doesn't say, okay, are you a goon or are you a hitman? And I like mean, I feel like I mean obviously I know the yeah. two can be intertwined, but most mob hitman movies they're very clear about this person, like what this person does. They are a, they are a hitman. They murder people and that's it. But this movie was like you're in the mob. I just took it as this guy's in the mob. So of course yeah. he murders some. Tony Soprano murdered people. He's yeah. not a hitman. Well, but he's not really in the mob. I know. See, it's, it's a weird then, thing. Yeah, this movie's weird. I, I I get you from that point. I I mean, to me, the whole story's weird, right? This this Irish dude that has like basically become the consigliere to a whole to, to some degree mm-hmm. to what sounds like the biggest gangster between Philadelphia and New York, mm-hmm. uh, Russell Buffalino. Uh, it sounds like all the like just looking at the Fat Tony scene with him and Fat, you know, Fat Tony's supposed to be like a really big mobster, but it seemed like he was almost justifying why he felt like. Uh, Hoffa needed to be killed to Russ, and yeah. and there was a line in there where um, and and this is where and that, this this is what I love about, and I'm sorry, I'm going off on tangents, but this is what I love about these kind of films. There is no way for you to get all the nutrients in one in one spoonful. Yeah. You know, Godfather is my favorite movie of all time. I've seen Godfather, no bullshit, probably at least fifty times. There's like every ten times that I watch it, I always find a little nuance, something that I didn't find in the in the rest of the things, and I feel like that's what Irishman is kind of going to do for us. Um, if you look at the history, Casino wasn't regarded uh, as as th- you know that well of a film when it first came out. Well, because it's just it's like a remake of Goodfellas. Well, and, but and Goodfellas was snubbed. So Goodfellas was like like you know famously very much snubbed at the ninety one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grammys, I think. I mean, Oscar, Grammys, Oscars, Oscars, and Grammys. The, the original thing, motion soundtrack is <laughs> right. <we> got stumped. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I think it came away with was um, was um, Joe Pesci for supporting actor, but it was it was nominated six times and won for best. Basically, Dances of Wolves cleaned up that year and it got best picture, best director, best editing, which is crazy to me because Goodfellas, if nothing else, should be at least editing. Um, but so I, I say that to say both films. And even The Godfather, it's like when you watch them, you still find these nuanced things about um, the film and the plot years, decades after. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, one of the, one of the ones, one of the cavities that just opened up for me, Martin, is is that question. Did Russell Buffalino call the hit? Because he always positioned it like it was a thing that Fat Tony wanted to do. And he was caught in between this decision of like they were either going to kill us or we were gonna, we had to kill him. If yeah. they didn't kill us, and well, I I don't I think it was more like Russ was saying they're gonna kill you if this guy doesn't die. Like you and your family are in danger, in a sense. But since you're with me, it's like the same thing with Whisper. Since you're with right. me, I'm gonna protect you. Well, because and that's why they thing. had him do it, right? That's yeah. why they had Frank do it to like prove his loyalty, right? right. But what I'm saying is. Is was is Russ every time he says they, does he really mean me? I think so. Because yeah. because at the beginning of the film there was a they they made it a point to say all roads lead back to Russell Buffalino, somehow, some way. Yeah, and, and it's everything. like and he says the thing of like if I tell you to do something, I'm telling you're gonna do it out of your own. Like if I tell you to do something, you're doing it yourself for yourself. Yes. 
in a sense. So he's like, I'm not going to take credit for anything. Right. Even though everything leads back to me. Oh, that's the, oh, that's some boss boss shit. That's some like, that's some real racket. Like that's some real, what do they call it? Conspiracy. What's the term for that? Like when, you know, you're at the top, top of the chain and then you've got all these like capos that do shit and. The family's got a lot of buffers. Never mind, man. You guys don't watch enough gangster movies to fuck with the kid, man. There's blank faces all across the room. How'd you feel about the daughter relationship with Anna Paquin? It was just, it was weird. I mean, I, I think I understood. I understood it more when we saw the juxtaposition with how much respect she had for Hoffa. But just in a vacuum, I'm like, yo, she's ungrateful on the low. Why did she? I don't know. You know, I get it. Why she didn't like Pesci? I mean, he, he said it. He was like, when you when your nickname's like the right <laughs> the, the Ravager or right, some whatever right. nonsense. But like, why did she take the Hoffa so much? Because he was for the people. It seemed yeah, like. she didn't know he was a bad guy at all. Yeah, yeah. I can and, see that. Yeah, and he, he was really real nice name. to her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he used his real name. Um, he was like a hero to people like back then, I yeah. guess. Because I felt like the, the, you know, the ending in the bank, I, 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 I'm I on the fence of whether that was forced or if that was like. That was probably a, forced. Appropriate. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, the one part of the movie that I felt was rushed was the ending. The, the basically the epilogue yeah. of, you know, how you are as a person since this event. You're now, your daughter doesn't talk to you. You murdered, you know, your very good friend and, and now right. you're in this, you know, everyone's dead around you practically, right. you know. So that was the one part I felt was rushed the most. Like, even when the, the last scene, I was like, keep the door open? Well, I felt like the everything from, like, the party to the end almost is like a, a long, short film to me. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like its own thing. And I love that part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um but I did feel, and I think it's just because the movie was so long, and I was so tired when I was watching it. Like that, that definitely clouded my opinion or influenced it. Um, but after he killed Hoffa, it was like, is there's there's thirty minutes of conclusion here? Like it feels rushed, and at the same time, it's like too much. Mm. And maybe it feels rushed because it is so much. The interesting part was that I watched this movie in two sittings. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, three. Uh, the second half was I had to stop for like an hour right. because I had to go do something. Oh, but the um, it was interesting. The first half, I texted the group chat. I was like, "Yo, I'm bored, I'm bored out of my mind." Right. But then, when after he killed Hoffa, I was like, I looked at the same thing. I said, "Man, I got 37 more minutes." And then I hit play, and next thing I know, it was over. And I was like, "Interesting." That felt rushed, but the rest of the movie felt long as hell. See, so what's the answer for that? Cut the movie down. Movie two thirty, two forty tops. This that movie last did section did not need to be Titanic levels of yeah, of exactly. Length. It just didn't. I mean, the whole heart of the movie is that last thirty minutes, and I would have peppered the theme in, I think, before the party scene, which is, I mean, that's the only point where I started to realize, oh, this movie is about like how when you get older and you start like questioning what you did when you were younger and was it all worth it? But it takes at least two hours to get to that, which is the whole thing. And Scorsese is known for doing montages and getting you places really fast. Yeah. And this is the one movie he was like, nope. Well, he did plenty of montages, but I think, I think, I think, I think what we're discounting here is that we looked at about what, four decades of this guy's life, yeah. four to five decades of this guy's life. 
in three and a half hours. To me, that's but a like steal. He's done, he's done three decades <laughs> of people's yeah, life, that, and he's done it better. Come on. Other movies have tra- uh, traversed where, time. Where, where have we gone three decades? Have we not? How much The Goodfellas did? Two decades? Goodfellas no, is like what, one, de- oh, one yeah. decade, maybe 10 years. But what, you're, what you, you're getting married to the facts here. You, okay. you, you are. And, and I think so is the screenwriter, and so is Scorsese. And you just don't have to be. I mean, it's a movie. You, you're already the, as as factual as this movie is. As much as it sticks to what's there, it it wholly invents like how right. they kill Hoffa. Like, there's so much creative embellishment in the movie already. So I would say just carry that same principle out and make this a more digestible piece of art where it's easier to discern what the filmmaker is trying to say. Okay, so here's the thing: what you, what you just said is probably absolutely true. If I had to guess the reason this movie is as long as it is, I think it's for reasons outside of the actual movie itself. I think it's for the reason that this is the first time that we've ever seen Pacino, De Niro, Pesci on the screen together, and this will probably be the last time. This will probably be the last time we see these people on screen together. So I think it's it's a moment that I know me, as long as I've known about these guys and known, the, known about the Scorsese world, which... I first saw Goodfellas in maybe 97, 98. I saw Casino before Goodfellas, right? Um, And then just become, and then I saw Scarface around the same time. Yeah, but Al Pacino. That was like, you know, I saw Scarface was kind of like, I'd seen Al Pacino before. Probably the first time I can remember was Dick Tracy. But um, and you know he was made up there. Great example. But um, <laughs> Scarface was my first introduction into like the pop culture Al Pacino that everybody references, like in the hip hop references. Yeah. And then I saw Godfather, um, in probably ninety nine, two thousand. Um, and I've been hooked to it ever since. So 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 all that to say is that like for me it's been a two decade trick of like wanting to see these guys together just from knowing their filmography. So I, if, if I had to guess it was that long for that reason, that, I, I does, that, the, does I, that help things though? No, because I put it in the same category as why when you watch director's cuts on DVDs, why most of the time they suck mm-hmm. is because like they had in, to go into the theater, you have somebody checking them. No matter who right. these guys are, right. there's someone always that can kind of check them just a little bit. Yeah, I think Netflix was like, "Yeah, do what you want, man." Exactly. That's do exactly what you want, how fam. I read. This. And then you find out, like, no, you, there's a reason why movies kind of are a length that they Run, are. Runtime is important. Like, I mean, it's and it's not it's not as simple as looking at a number and determining if it's too high, but. Mm. It's efficiency of storytelling. I mean, and I don't think this movie justifies its long length. And I like long movies. Um, I love Blade Runner 2049. Uh, that was my favorite film of 2017. I love uh, Titanic. Like, I mean, and, and XYZ. I mean, there's a million examples of long movies that I feel like work. Then there's It, part two, which was way too long. Way too long. You kind of have a Bill Hader look to you, especially today. <laughs> That's funny. I, he's one of my favorites, too. <laughs> well, uh, well. I, I get what y'all are saying, man. For me, this—if it had been another cast mm-hmm. and another filmmaker, I'd probably be sitting in the same shoes as you guys. I think I—I I have to be completely honest in saying that, like my my like my love for mm-hmm. Scorsese in these worlds, yeah, is so. You know, it's it's yeah. such at a high place that like this doesn't bother me in the least. I mean, I get it because I, I don't hate the film. Yeah, I I don't think it's a bad film. Right. I just there's parts. It's very forgettable in, in for me personally. But I just think that there's you know I think Netflix said Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, 
Scorsese, mm-hmm. y'all can do what you want because mm-hmm. people are going to watch it. The numbers yeah. are going to be great. They're going to make a ton of money. Yeah. Everything's going to be happy and snowflakes and, and well, all that other it shit. helps evaluations, right? Yeah. It's like the longer you stay on their platform, the, mm-hmm. the more it's worth. So but my my argument really becomes this too, man. Like. Because everybody seems to be crying about runtime, and I'm like, but we all watch television shows, man. Yeah, and it's the same. Sh- What's the difference it's not between the same. Fo- it, only in a television show is right? already is already split into movements that are self contained. So I, I totally disagree. This movie's not split into movements. I just I, my whole problem is that it doesn't even start to pay off emotionally until the two hour mark. And then too, yeah. I think that you know I, I agree with Chandler that. There are movies that are long that I really like. Right. This is just not one of them. Right. So, like, if he could have made a four-hour movie if he wanted to, but mm-hmm. make it good. I didn't think he accomplished right. his mission. Mm. So if he had made a three-and-a-half-hour movie that was amazing, I'd sit here and say it was amazing. Mm. It's just uh, Blade Runner, Titanic. Those are probably the only recent ones I can think of. But Blade Runner, what, is two-and-a-half? No, Blade Runner is 240. 240. Which is an hour shorter than this movie, but it's still an exceptionally long movie. 240 is long. Avengers Endgame is three hours. doesn't feel nearly as long as this movie. See, Avengers Endgame felt long as shit to me, man. I, 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 I can't I compare that because that's so. a popcorn flick. And is, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. All right, Scorsese. Okay. <laughs> They're all cinema. Uh, they are, but I mean, Avengers there's a different in- reason Avengers why. Avengers Endgame yeah. is a character-based drama. There's not even yeah. action until the two-hour mark. Yeah, I give you that. Come on. I give you that. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Solidarity. Solidarity. <laughs> and then, you know, I liked it, but man, Pacino yelling at the screen. I, I enjoyed that. I, I to some degree. That's I, a Pacino trademark. Yeah, man. you guys talk about a lot of shit that you don't like. What what did you like about the film? Oh fuck, are you serious? I mean, I, it's fine. It's I fine. love it's I love fine. Joe Pesci. I think that was like my He's favorite great. character yeah, in this Pesci's, movie. That's a good point. Did you feel like he gave the best performance? I think probably Pacino gave the best performance, but but Pesci was my favorite out of everybody mm. just because it's so different from what he usually does. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And you kind of, you really understood that character. Yeah. I, I definitely think out of the, out of the, the, the top three, um, I feel like De Niro did the less, but I think that's just a function of the character. Sorry about the kid crying in the background, the building. We share the building with a church on Sundays <laughs> and we're recording Sundays. So this is an unruly child, but um, um, I feel like out of the three, he did the least, um, um, I, but I, I'm, I'm in bed with you. Pause. I'm in bed with you. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, I feel like Pesci does give the best performance because it's the most outside of what we normally see him as. Yeah. Well, interesting. I, I mean, I get it from a, like a, you know, bullet point perspective, but like, I feel like I've seen this movie already. That's how I came across. Okay. Like I've seen De Niro play, you know, a gangster. Yeah. I've seen him play this and, you know, I've seen Al Pacino do it in, in regards, you know. Wow, shout out to that kid. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's, I think, my thing maybe. You know, I know we all wanted to see Al Pacino and Robert De Niro on the screen together, but I don't know. I just, it just kind of fell flat for me. Well, yeah. we saw them on the screen together in Heat. Right. Well, uh, well, I think didn't they say technically they're not on the screen Man, at the exact same I time? I think that's bullshit. Yeah, I think they actually like they're they had the so shot. many scenes together. Yeah, like, I know the, the death scene. Like, there's so many scenes together. Um, I think this movie I, just felt forced. The whole existence of this film felt forced. I right. mean, I guess one thing I liked about it is like how it shows how like you people hold the Italian mob up to like this standard of organized crime as being like the most. Maybe not fair, but like the most, like they go by honor, they go by a system, and it shows how messy they are, like how much they fuck up. 
like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like they, they killed the one hitman just because his boss forgot to tell other people <laughs> like yeah, that is stuff like true. that happening yeah. it's just like they, they're just really messy in a lot of ways yeah well to me i've always found them to be like when you really start reading the history on these crime families and how they change regi- regimes it seems like there's just a lot of internal shit it, like exactly what you're yeah. saying there's just a lot of internal um, beefs that kind of go around the system and then there has to be retaliation for going around the system and then the new regime doesn't care about the the system so it retaliates on the system yeah. it's just like a bunch yeah. of like almost every godfather does that there's internal conflict and then there's external and revenge yeah it's all yeah, yeah. pro had that one guy killed just cause he got some votes <laughs> in like an election or something yeah. like that like <laughs> right, exactly. If like when people just get sh- that lo- that like one Jewish, I guess I don't know what he was, but his car got shut up for no reason. It's just like <laughs> right. It's like these guys are so messy, but they're but then they'll be mad at a guy like uh what was it Joey or whatever who's like doing wild stuff. But it's like you guys are just as wild. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that is very interesting. I didn't pick up on that, but you're right. I liked. Uh, I mean, just the central theme at the end, uh, how. This movie feels like it's made by a bunch of guys who are near the end of their line, yeah. um, you know, reflecting back on their career. And I, you know, I got I had a pit in my stomach. Um, the whole De Niro getting on the plane to go to Chicago, um, landing, having to get in the car, beckoning uh, Hoffa into the car like that. It just made me feel bad because I, I felt like I could connect with where he was at. And I like where the story ends up. Emotionally, like the catharsis worked for me. Right. So, I do think the journey to get there is long and arduous, and I have a lot of problems with it. But where it ends up, I'm like, okay, this could have been a cool story uh, if it was just presented to me differently. Interesting, interesting. Okay, but I, I, you know, I get why you like this movie. It, it is classic Scorsese. It definitely feels like of the same ilk as uh, all the other gangster flicks that he's done. Right. I guess I'm I, one thing I liked is that it's finally a Netflix film that doesn't like completely suck. Like a well, lot you, watch, of you choose to watch the ones that suck. No, though. they're name some really good ones. Dog. There's other uh, Roma. Okay, Roma, Roma was good. Amazing. Roma was amazing. Give you that. Dolomite. Those those are just like recently. I haven't seen Dolomite. Dolomite wasn't amazing. You're jumping off a ledge. Dolomite. <laughs> okay. I didn't it say it was amazing. amazing. Roma was only and it, it was, was never cool. intended to be on Netflix. They yeah. got so still. Yeah, it's cheated. But okay. Um, to me, what was the Jeremy Saulnier one? The um, oh, uh, I didn't like that one. Um, what was yeah. the name of it? Fuck, it's the only one that's not like a, a, a color. color. <laughs> yeah, it's something night. Uh, uh something. Uh, the uh, fuck, the wolf, the wolfy one, the wolfy one. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't bad. It wasn't well, too bad. Are you looking it up? Or are you? I'm trying. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um, night wolf. <laughs> night wolf. Um, it had what's his face in it? Um, uh, Scars Alexander. I was Sarsgaard. gonna go with um guy from James Bond. But, uh, oh, oh, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were gonna, you were gonna go with James Bond for Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> yeah, you know his most famous fuck? role. I don't know. I, okay, I don't know. I just he's oh, got a what, few. What, what, That's the first one that came to come mind. On, I mean, Westworld. Oh, you know, he's what's taking you so long Gordon. to look this shit up? Hold the dark. <laughs> Hold the dark. There you go. I thought I thought Hold the Dark was so amazing I couldn't remember the title. Favorite movie. Hold the Dark to me was a very 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 slept on film. Like the like the like the underlayment of it. Mm-hmm. Was very, I, I, you know, I think had it come on another platform. I think Netflix has a reputation of not of putting out some not so good movies that are like maybe anticipated, but or seem like they should strike a chord, but they don't. And I feel like there's some really good ones that go under the radar because of that. Hold the Dark was like that. Um, I don't feel alone at this. I don't feel at home in this like world anymore. One. Was no, really right. good. 
Um, and you know, shout out to oh, did you guys see? Did I did I did I stunt on Twitter? Did I show you all that screenshot? So shout oh, out to Jeremy Saunier and Macon Blair, um, two Virginia filmmakers. They're from Alexandria. Uh, they've done Green Room, Hold the Dark, Blue um, Ruin, Blue Ruin. Um, but anyway, Macon Blair started following me on Twitter, so hey. slight flex. Well, Netflix is going to follow up with that Michael Bay film next month. So. What Michael Bay film? The one with the, your, fa- your, fav- your favorite actor, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That looks, well. yeah, it looks bad. It looks like a Michael Bay film, so it'll be yeah. bad, but really glossy. But really glossy. What yeah. about, uh, what about, what was the Meyerowitz stories, the Noah Baumbach joint? Y'all see that? Oh, yeah. I didn't see it, but I know what no, you're talking about. I didn't about. like it. You know, like People it. loved it. Uh, they got marriage story coming out soon. That's the next Bond. That's actor. a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? Oh, yes. Wow. And that's like the awards talk is so high for yeah. uh, Johansson and Adam Driver. Oh, to me, the, one of the best Netflix films was the first one. The um, um, the one with Idris Elba and the yeah. um, Beast of No Nation. Beast of No Nation. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. That was amazing. That was that an was amazing good. film. Um, I, I, yeah, I thought. But was that I, also not a? It was intended to go to Netflix either. No, it was it was financed by Netflix, and then I think it was their first attempt to do a theatrical release. Oh, okay. And it was sort of like, it was basically it was shunned on. Like, no, what the fuck, y'all can't like because it was it was released in theaters and on mm-hmm. streaming the same day. And yeah. that was well. Know. That's a huge problem with Netflix. I I hate how they do that. I think Amazon. First off, they Amazon produces much better films, and also they still adhere to like the traditional three month window, right? Which allows theaters to actually show their films, and so thus they feel more like real movies, mm. like subconsciously. Yeah. Which I think is a thing like uh, what you were sort of alluding to, like mm. when a movie drops on Netflix. I think a lot of people just don't view that as this being. A, a quote-unquote real movie in the way that something is in the theater. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's all this talk like, oh, is The Irishman going to show up in theaters? And then they agreed to a one-month window. Mm-hmm. But then they couldn't get the terms uh, to work out with any of the large theater chains. So basically nobody could see this movie in theaters. Right. And everyone ends up having to watch it on Netflix. And even our local art house here wasn't able to show it until it was on Netflix. Like, they didn't even get it for that month before. So... Right. Uh, I have a problem with that, and I'm happy that they gave Scorsese so much money to make this movie in the way that he wanted. Because even though I don't like it, I support um, like, like auteur-driven filmmaking. But I don't like the way that they run the, their movie side of it. And it, 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 it's a hindrance too that you know when I go to the theater, I can't hit pause. You know, so even right. though I actually typically like to sit and watch a movie completely, I don't. I don't like to hit pause or watch it in two or three days. Type That's situation. why I prefer to be in a theater. Yeah, but then I know there's people who watch this movie in like 15 minute chunks. Yeah, you know, and it's like well, I mean, dude, when I was watching, I kept falling asleep because I had been up on like a bender for a few days, and I a bender. Cook <laughs> <laughs> will do that to you, right. yeah, allegedly. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, no, I had to keep like just I'd fall asleep. I was like, pause it. I wake back up and hit play. Like I mean, I was yeah, I was falling asleep in like the first hour and a half. But once Al Pacino came on the screen, I was fully awake and I was into the story. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I had to watch it in a couple of spurts too. That's just because like my daughter kept interrupting me, and every time she walked in, I had to pause it. I, you never know when somebody's head's gonna get blown off, and she's seven years old. I don't think I can really explain that to her. I properly. think she's ready, man. She's ready. <laughs> yeah. so the way Scorsese says it, it just be like a pop pop. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that movie, they were just firing off caps the, every the best, yeah. the best kill in the movie is uh, the Whisper. one in that restaurant. I oh, think. really? I thought Whisper. 
I like when he just runs in the restaurant and he's in there in and out so quick. Because he car does comes the, around he does and yeah. yeah. Okay, the two can't guns see what I'm doing. Was, was that, was, that was a little too he much. He like pushes the bullet. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little too much. Um, I, I I think whispers and um and when they got uh uh the guy that they thought was snitching in the federal building. Yeah, yeah. Just because you know that's that's I, I really like that, right? They showed us like hitting in real time and you I guess you really don't think about it like the of like the mechanics of putting a hit on somebody, but I, I really like how they were going into depth with it. Like you want to, you know, you want a clean gun with this one. You don't want something that's had some bodies on it, you know. So he's going through this process of elimination process on the, you know, all these guns, and it's like, all right, we need something that makes noise, but not too much noise, like a forty-five. So you take out the forty-five, and then you're left with these choices. Um, I like the rationale behind it, showing that it really is a science to mm-hmm. putting a hit on somebody. Um, and then the action is so quick. I mean, the guy, you know, for the Joey Gallo hit, they said the driver dropped him off, circled the block, and picked him right back up. Like, Yeah, and, I peeped that, too. That's, like, it's like, yeah. It's really, you know, those little nuanced things. I'm never going to fucking have to ever run in a house and kill a guy, right? So it's... it's well, it's, hold on. I mean, I hope so. But. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hope you hope not. <laughs> um, but So it's good to see a movie address it the details in it, of it in a way that I would never, me being just a normal citizen would never did, have to. Yeah, maybe short answer, long answer. Like, when he killed Pacino, mm-hmm. did it feel kind of like, damn. Like, it felt so like, it didn't feel, it wasn't sloppy, but it wasn't like, it was It was kind of strange how they did it. And oh. it was like, I wasn't mad at it, but I thought, I was like, man, it felt like such a shitty way to go out. I think that's what I liked about yeah. it. Is that it's so it felt shitty. There's all that buildup. Yeah, and then it just happens, and then you just life goes on. Do you yeah. think Pacino knew he was going to die, or he just was like, "This don't feel right"? No, he he well, knew something was up. He knew he something, something was up, but he didn't he, suspect Frank. Yeah, I know. And so there's always that part that I I, I appreciate Scorsese not doing a Frank really, you know, yeah, you're, you know, like yeah, yeah, but like instead it's like kind of like of mice and men. Yeah, like he just you know never pop. seen. Oh, okay, it's a classic work of uh, I've, American I've, literature. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, well, apparently, <laughs> apparently like, someone killed by a friend. <laughs> but, like, yeah. Right. So there's yeah. one part of me that's like, oh, man. And then it was so sloppy. Like, it was just like pop, pop. And he just, like, slumped over. Yeah, like, man. I was like, man, that sucks. But, but I do think that is a function of showing us the mechanics of, of this thing. Yeah, they're, you know, this thing where it's like your friends will kill you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because of orders. Um, and that's what makes the mob very like um intriguing to me mm-hmm. because it's like do these friendships even really exist or is it just they exist because these rules are the way they are you yeah. know what i'm saying like are, are y'all really friends are y'all more teammates than well anything? and i and i think that i mean i'm projecting a lot onto the character but i think that that's sort of what de niro is thinking about at the end of the movie is like i let my this these rules mm-hmm. these arbitrary decisions dictate my whole life right and I didn't really live it for me. Yeah. Even now, with the military. Right. And he's mm-hmm. like, now nah, I got nothing. And now I've got nothing, right. You li- you, you, yeah, because he made a statement somewhere in there. He's like, it's like the military. You give orders, you handle the orders, and you get rewarded, mm-hmm. you know, for, for carrying those orders out. And, like, where's the reward for being completely loyal right. to the Italian mob all these years or the Jewish mob or whoever was in control? I don't – is Buffalino that – I'm assuming that's Italian, right? That's not Jewish, right? No, I was – it was, it was pretty Italian. Italian okay. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, Buffalino. Why would I think that's <laughs> Jewish? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that was weird of me. It's tough, you know. <laughs> it's fine. Um, did you like Romano 
in this movie. Yeah, I, th- I thought cool. Romano turned some uh, good work, man. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it, it wasn't really a memorable character, but it was it was cool, right? It was just a cool. character. I like seeing him show up. He was uh, he's had a few like interesting film roles recently. Yeah, to me, the best six man award in this one, uh, you know, off the top three was Stephen Graham, uh, Tony, Tony Pro. I feel like Tony Pro was like. I think him and Al Pacino being together, yeah. like he matched that Al Pacino. I mean, I energy. think he was he's similar to like his Boardwalk Empire, like Al, Al Capone. Al character, Capone, right? A lot, like a hothead type of guy. Yeah, I forgot he was Capone in Boardwalk Empire. You know where I remember him from? I remember him from Snatch. That was the first time I'd ever seen him. Oh yeah, and he played. Have y'all seen Snatch? The guy Richie Snatch. Fuck. All right, so uh, not fuck you. I meant to say fucking amazing film. <laughs> I didn't finish that, but Chandler hadn't seen it. So uh, yeah, you should watch Snatch, bro. Like. Okay. Snatch is a very it's, to me is probably one of Brad Pitt's best performances, and then it's just like a really really dope gangster film, man. But it's it's uh you know it's a British gangster film, yeah. Um, really 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 fucking dope. Lenny Peaky Blinders. You watch Peaky Blinders? I saw the first two seasons. I, I really like Peaky Blinders. I yeah. never watched it. Yeah, Peaky Blinders is good. There's so much uh, gangster content out there, man. So much, There's so much. And this is that Tom Hardy movie where he's the brothers. Uh, Legacy is it? Yeah. What it's called? I saw it with Someone. the twins. Yeah. yeah, man, I couldn't understand a damn word they were saying. And in Tom that. Hardy's got a tough accent yeah. to uh, to to discern. That was a decent film. I thought it was a cool. Uh, you know. I forgot about it, but it's a decent film. I mean, he, I would even say, uh, what's that one? The Tom Hardy joint with uh, Shia LaBeouf, where they're bootleggers. That's sort of like a gangster film, oh, too, because yeah. it's like them versus, uh, uh, what's his name? I didn't, Guy Pierce. Sli- I didn't yeah. think you'd get your throat slit. In yeah, I, th- I, that's yeah. the part of the myth- mythological mm-hmm. bend to that film. I liked it when I saw it. It was a long time ago, yeah. though. I like that one too. And who's what's the, that? Lawless is what it's Yeah, called. Lawless. Who's the, what's the big guy's name that was in that? He was in Zero Dark Thirty as well. It's like he's got president Jason. Oh, Jason Clark. Clark. Yeah, I like yeah. Jason Clark. He's interesting because it's like I see him on screen. And I'm like, uh. he gets he gets a lot of like thankless roles, but I think he's a strong actor. Mm. Uh, one of my favorite like thankless Jason Clark roles is uh, is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's the second one, mm, which okay. is like a great movie. It's basically yeah. like a Shakespeare film. He it's better than the first one. Uh, it's the best of the three, and it's an incredible film. So I won't have you just give me some right. passive comment like that. Like <laughs> it's, better than the first time. it's good seeing you get passionate about a film. I was sorry, yeah, the Irishman didn't do it, but I'll tell you, if we want to do a Dawn of the Planet of the Apes cast. I'm here. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. I'm looking through my notes, man. If, if we covered a lot. Um, I'm running out of steam personally. It feels like I'm at the end of a three and a half an hour, three and a half hour movie about gangsters. <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm confused. I'm delirious. Oh, I'm wondering why I was here this whole time. That is crazy. Did man. you guys think the um, like the history stuff worked? Like, because there's a lot of references to stuff that's happening that happened in history. Like, uh, of like course, JFK. JFK okay. You got the Cuban Missile Crisis mm-hmm. where he, he drove the guns down to Florida. Oh, I like that mm-hmm. part. Yeah. I, I thought it was cool to anchor you in the time period. Yeah, you know what I really like about it is that um, I like that not just anchor you in the time period, but also it addresses these conspiracies and it really simplifies them, right? Like so, so you know, there's a lot of mythology about who actually killed JFK. You know, even though they got John, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't John Wilkes Booth. Who was the other guy? Yes, Abe Lincoln. All these guys' names run the same, but whoever they they nailed for um, Lee Harvey Wa- Oswald. Yeah, Oswald for for killing um, JFK. Yeah, he did it with the comedian from Watchmen. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was Watchmen ten years yeah. ago. Yeah. Movie. 
So, but it's but they take this myth this mythology, and obviously there's the grassy knoll theory and all that. Um, there was always hummings around the Kennedy family having dealings with the mob. So putting it in perspective to me is really cool, whether it's real or not. This movie just says like yes. Yeah, we <laughs> uh, yeah, the mob killed Kennedy right. and the mob also killed fucking uh uh Jimmy Hoffa. So that's what I liked about it too, right? The mythology behind what actually happened with Hoffa's body. This is like you hear like He's in he's in giant you know, stadium stadiums. <laughs> you, you hear everything, but then yeah. just to see them say, "Okay, he was shot in the back of the head, rolled in a carpet, and incinerated." It, like he was basically cremated. It's like wow, that, it's like the only thing that we have in our lifetime. I think to compare it to is like the Tupac murder, right? Where yeah. it's like who actually killed Tupac? And then now, have y'all been hearing about this thing where like that that rapper Glasses uh, Malone? Baby, yeah, the baby. I forgot the guy's name. Glasses baby Malone? something. No, Glasses Malone oh, yeah. did a did a song about the baby, whatever yeah, yeah. his name oh, is. Oh, Anderson, um, Orlando Anderson. They called him, um, yeah, Baby, Baby G. I forget. I know yeah. what you're talking about, but have you heard that, Chandler no. and Corey? So basically, there's a rapper named Glasses Malone. He did a song. Now, um, is this pre or post Malone? <laughs> Glasses Malone has been that was witty way before Post Malone. Yeah, trying here, um, but yeah, he's he's a oh, you know he's a crip West Coast rapper. He basically made a song, Baby Lane, Baby Lane. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he he made a song talking about he made a song from the guy who killed Tupac's perspective because he said he got the information from one, he said there was four people that was in the car and the one of them um, that actually lived and was out of prison. Basically told him the story. He since died. The only person that's still left is a guy named Keefe D. He's in prison right now. Mm. Um, but he basically told him what happened. And, you know, all this conspiracy about what happened with Tupac and how he died. And basically the song lays it out. The the So the, the fight footage that we see from the casino was like Tupac and, you know, a bunch of pyrus basically stomping out uh, a, a crip. This dude named Orlando Anderson. Well, basically, yeah, Orlando, he was like, yo, Orlando Anderson retaliated that's all it was like he retaliated the four people in the car went to go find him they found Pac they shot him in the story it was gang it was gang violence so it's like all this mythology and it was really just some shit that we already know bloods and crips be at war you know what I'm saying so it's so taking that and simplifying it this way it's like all this shit yeah he had a problem with the fucking mob we know the mob has a reputation for don't fuck with our money don't fuck with the things that make us feed our families and you won't be a problem. He was fucking with that. And he disappeared. <laughs> and he disappeared. Like, yeah. In typical mob fashion. Yeah. You know. And I think a high level hit like that, they're not going to shoot you on the corner and leave you. Yeah. Like they're like you're going to disappear. Because yeah. when because what we've come, well, what I've just come to understand, mm-hmm. at least I think I understand, right, is that when they do these wild hits and they leave you to be found, it's to send a message, right? It's kind of like to let you know who did it. And don't fuck with us, you know, like this is the end of story. So obviously there's no there's nobody higher on the totem than Jimmy Hoffa, right? So you don't want to leave a message for anybody. There's nobody to that that would be the federal government you're leaving a message to at that point. Um so it makes sense that he would disappear, you know, you want no trace of it. Um so I don't know, man. I, I I'm not gonna lie, man, for like at least the first twenty minutes of this movie, I was just I couldn't stop cheesing while I was watching. I was so happy. Um, and I explained this on the Act Three podcast, which uh, again, there's a if you you know if you're into this discussion and want to hear more about the Irishman, um, I, I highly 
you know, I highly uh, recommend you listen to the Act Three podcast. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Um, and if you want to give them that plug again, yeah, it's Act Three podcastcom the, the way you think it would be spelled, or you can go to wtkr.com/podcast and yeah. see everything we got cooking up over there. Or chances are, if you're listening to this on like Apple or Spotify, I think yeah. you're on Apple and Spotify as well, right? Yeah. Um, I was the show can be kind of hard to find with the search algorithm. So Act Three podcastcom you can go in the player and then subscribe on your favorite platform right from there. Oh, that's so that's cool. that's why uh, I would say that's you, the best way to go. But gotcha. yeah, that's a that's a that's a good show. I like it. I personally, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really fun. I like being on it. But um, the point that I made on that was that um, for me, this was just a buildup of um, this is just a long time coming. You know, me being a fan of the Scorsese universe, um, is, you know, and just the, his narrative on gangster politics. Um, I was ve- I, I was from 2017. I think was the first time I heard about this. And just from that moment on, man, I've been waiting on this film. So it was almost they really it could have been like twenty minutes of blank frames, and I probably still would have been finding a way to like defend it. I will here. I will say this one thing: it does feel complete, like yeah. the Scorsese, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro thing is just done. Yeah, and you don't need to make another gangster movie. Yeah, it's you know I, I wish it was a better one to go out on, but at the same time, like I feel like this. If you're gonna tell a gangster story, like there isn't much else you can tell. I don't think, right. you know, especially Jimmy Hoffa. That's kind of a big story, right. you know. So that is stuff. true. Um, there was an Easter egg in there. I, I know. Uh, I'm just going to mention it. Y'all probably don't care. And Martin, I wonder if you caught this. Um, so in Casino, the Tangiers Hotel, right? Um, you know that was financed by the Teamsters. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If you go back and watch Casino, the 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 that entire casino hotel situation that was financed by the Teamsters. Oh, because um, they did go in the pinch the pension fund for like all of their like businesses and stuff like that. Right. So they made it a point that you know these casinos they they're they're owned by somebody on paper, but then they're also they're always controlled by another force. Is usually like a mob force. Yeah. So we got a chance to see that when they were pitching um, ideas for. Uh, for Tangier pension fund money to be used for other things. We saw the guy pitching the casino. Yeah. So I yeah. thought that was a pretty dope callback to the world of casino. That's um, cool. Sort of creating a Martin Scorsese universe to some degree. You know, it's funny in a weird way, too, and I know I feel like I'm doing a bunch of babbling, but um, so the whole comment about, um, uh, you know, Scorsese feeling like MCU and Marvel movies are just like theme parks. It's just funny, man, hearing everybody talk about the length and the presentation of this film, coupled with those comments, it almost makes me realize that, like, Scorsese is just, like, he may be out of tune. He might be out of touch with today's consumer. A lot of the older directors are. Yeah. Like, it's really interesting when you look back at even James Cameron, Ridley Scott, Spielberg, Scorsese, almost all their films that are in probably this decade, the 2000, whatever the decade we're in, the tween, the teens. Of right. The, all their movies got they're off a little bit. See, I don't know about that because yeah. I feel like Ridley Scott is still Man, he's listen. still with it. Yeah, the Mad Max is- Fury Road was like amazing. So that's George that, Miller. That guy. Yeah. Oh, okay, that that director is an anomaly. Yo, he but took like, like Alien, thirty years off. Alien Covenant is, is dope. No, yes it no, is. No, 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 it's I not. It. I like Prometheus, but I hate it. Ridley, oh, see, Prometheus is trash. Prometheus is a I like stinking Pro- I like trash Prometheus, fire. but Covenant could go to hell. Covenant's no, terrible. you're nuts. But that's the thing. Like, okay. But Ridley, Ridley Scott, he's an exception because he is a good director who, when he has a good script, and if not, then it's like not Ready great. Player One. Ridley Scott did the, didn't he do The Martian? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martian is great. Martian was amazing. Yeah, uh, and uh, and yeah, Spielberg is still making good movies. I mean, yeah, Re- Ready Player One is not great, but like he still knows what what's up. I think they're just they 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 start to fumble a little more. Like they're not they're not hitting threes. Every Even time. Scorsese like Silence a few years ago. I never saw it, but yeah, I, I like Silence. Silence is great. Yeah, Silence really? is okay. good. a much better movie than this one that we're talking about. Oh, I could wow. agree to that. I mean, I like this movie too, but I, I I could agree. I like Silence more. Okay. So so y'all wouldn't agree. Y'all don't think that Scorsese's out of touch? No, I think degree? he. I mean, I think his comments illustrate that yeah. perfectly. Mm-hmm. I I it's it's a shame when you're like. You're discounting art that other people are making just because it's not what you want to make. Right. Like he's saying, like, oh, they're not cinema because they're not like character-driven stories about the human condition. Well, like, homie, you've made the same gangster movie five times, right. and I'll watch it every time. But you know what I'm saying? He, I, I do. I think you could flip the same f- criticism f- back right back at him, right? And and right. I and I don't because he's a great filmmaker yeah. and he's totally entitled to his opinion. But out of touch, yeah. I mean, and I really didn't like Shutter Island. So yeah, I never even Shutter I Island. never watched that. But did you see Hugo? Hugo won a bunch of Oscars when that came out. Yeah, I didn't see it. Nah. And some of his movies are the Aviator to me is very forgettable. The Aviator yeah, is not good. I, I didn't like Aviator that much. I love Gangs in New York. It's cool. Gangs in New York, sorry. Right. It's mad forgettable. It's really it's not you know what it is? I don't think it's Scorsese, it's um Daniel Day Lewis. Well, everyone likes watching Daniel. Yeah, I mean for sure. That, that movie's fascinating and though. The Departed you know, is a remake, sorry. Right. Yeah. But uh the Games in New York had like a crazy production history. Like they had so many problems. I mean film went so uh, mm. over budget. He and Weinstein were battling back and forth mm. about like you know how long the cut was going to be and certain stuff in the script. They built a whole that whole city is a set that they built full scale in Italy. Wow. Like, that movie is a crazy story. It's a, and then they had to delay it a full year because 9-11 happened. And then wow. they added the U2 song at the end. And I think, like, Daniel Day-Lewis got, like, pneumonia because he wouldn't put a jacket on. Yeah, like, dude, <laughs> like, that movie's wow. nuts. Go read just the wiki page for Gangs in New York. Like, that's it's nuts. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass because I don't even really like the movie that much. Well, so. it makes the movie better because you oh. watch it and you're like, oh, this was one of the toughest things to make, like, ever. Gotcha. Yeah. Sheesh. Contractual obligations, boy. Um. All right, man. Are, are we done here? Are we dro- are we dropping this off? Yeah, yeah, we can drop it off. Mm-hmm. Anyway, land this bird. Land this bird. Um, and surprisingly, we're coming in at two hours less runtime. Mm. I, I wonder why. I wonder why. Two hours early. All right. So let me just make sure my notes were good. So the, the CGI wasn't that good. We talked about that. The performances. We talked about that. Um. Um, are there any scenes to you guys that reminded y'all that kind of restored that Goodfellas feeling for y'all? Or because for me, the whole award ceremony just felt yeah, really that's a beautiful, fella. beautiful scene. Yeah, yeah. But um, I love all the costumes. I like all this, the period stuff. Mm-hmm. That stuff's all great. Man. You know what bit I really liked? I liked the bit with um, uh, Fat Damon. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. What's his, what's his name? What's it, Jesse Plemons? Yo. Beth David. That dude has let himself go. Yeah. Well, I, I think he must have did because I think he did it for Fargo. It never, never went back. See Fargo you know who he's married two. to, though? Um, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yeah, who's yeah. kind of let herself go as well. No, she is not. Yeah, have you seen um, On Becoming a God in South Florida? No, but don't talk about her like that. Mm, she's kind of let herself go, bro. But I think they both kind of did it for roles and then just sort of never recovered from it. It was like, I'm comfortable here. But you got to see Fargo season two because that's when I that's when he really put on the weight because he was playing like a guy in the Midwest, like one of the cold states, you know. Um, and But I really liked the bit about the fish inside the car when they were going to pick up Hoffa. I thought that was really – that was typical Scorsese. It's like we're in the middle of some serious shit and we're concentrating on what kind of – 
because it was legitimate questions. Like yeah. he's going to a fish store <laughs> and be like, I want a fish. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Easter eggs. Uh, um, I liked Russell Buffalino when he was sitting in the car waiting for the whole hit. That whole thing of him just like was that to illustrate just how quick it was, or probably. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I'm I like, this podcast. I, I like I like when uh I like when directors put like comedians in serious roles. Like Sebastian Maniscalco, he played a uh, uh Joey or whatever. Uh-huh. Like crazy Joey. That was Sebastian. He's like a really famous Italian comedian. Gosh. Does like clean comedy or whatnot. Um and Jim Norton played uh, Don, Don Rickles. Rickles. Yeah, yeah. Pete that was Dad. cool. And of course Ray Romano played like the cousin to uh, Buffalino. Right, yeah. right. Ah, a lawyer. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked his bit too. Like, you know, you can tell me. Like, you know, you can yeah. tell. And that line was good. He said, "I, I work real hard for when I'm not stealing from." Him. <laughs> uh, that's a classic. I mean, there was a few good, really classic lines to me in here. Uh, Harvey Keitel, he did his thing. You know, he added his presence. Oh, that's um, it. That's another one. Harvey Keitel is playing an Italian, but he's Jewish. Yeah. Like extreme, and he, yeah, right. But like, he doesn't even look like the real guy in real life. I, I was just looking a little, at a thing during not, the. He's not too far off. I was. I got the glasses in the, in the mole. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I think the real Jimmy Hoff and Pacino look nothing like. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Like, yeah they nothing. don't. <laughs> at all. Their build is is completely. Even different. the haircut. They give him like a silly haircut in this yeah. movie, and I was like, does that is that. Do you have stupid hair like that in real life? No. Yeah. I think he looks more like Pro than he does Pacino. Yeah, agreed. But Tony Pro is so small. But Al Pacino's small too. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Um, I like the way they introduced Solidarity. Solidarity. The way they where they introduced the gangsters by how they died. Uh, we didn't we didn't really talk about that, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Um all right, man. The crew's faded, man. So I think we, <laughs> I'm out. I think we go wrap this up, man. Um uh anybody got any last words? No. Okay, thank you very much for the last word. <laughs> uh, just to be clear about this, I want to let you guys know what content's coming up. I, I am a thousand percent trying to put together a Queen and Slim episode and a thousand percent trying to put together a Succession episode. Um, and then based on a conversation that I just had, and I want to ask you guys this before we go, I'm trying to put together just a general gangster movie episode. And the reason why is because um, because of the discussions I've been having about this film and a lot of people not liking it. Um, and then I asked somebody to give me their top three gangster films of all time before I started arguing with them because I wanted to know what you know how irrational they were. And at number three, they had American Gangster, and I have mm. a big problem with that. Mm. So I named a bunch of films that should have went before American Gangster, and one of them was Menace of Society. And this person made a very good point. They said, Menace of Society is not a gangster film. They said, if if the f- if the players in the film, if nobody in the film can catch a Rico charge, it's not a gangster film. And I argued against that point, but I thought it was a very interesting point. Does The Good Shepherd count as a gangster film? To me, it rides that line. Yeah. Because it's a lot of like mob gangster sort of like, when we talk about like that type of gangster, it's organized. So mm-hmm. even when you start talking about corporate crime, um, because it's an organized structure, it feels gangster, it feels mob like. Um, and then when you start killing people in exchange for like other things, yeah. to me, it teeters gangster. And obviously, Good Shepherd does a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so 
So to me, I would say yes, but if somebody would argue against that, I would understand why. Um, so I want to put together a gangster movie episode. So I just want to let you guys know, the listeners know, some episodes that are a thousand percent coming. I know we're doing an Uncut Gems episode. I'm pushing that. And um, and I'm sure uh, you guys got some ideas lined up. And I know Leezy does too. So Leezy, I hope we made you proud this episode. If we did not, I understand. It's a bunch of toxic masculinity in a room talking about gangster shit. So... Um, We'll just leave it here, man, and to plug the Act 3 podcast one more time, which, again, there's more conversation about it. Uh, tell them where they can find it, Chandler. Act3podcast.com. It's me and uh, my co-host, Stephen Wall, and uh, Treasy has been on uh, two episodes now. Two episodes. I'm coming for that head. Comedian Forrest deal. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> cool. Invite, please. Thanks. Hey, uh, yeah. You know, I'll... I'd love to have you guys on one day. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Everybody. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> cool. Yeah, a lot of words there. Cool. Did y'all see Knives Out? I haven't seen it yet. Oh yeah. No, but have you? Yeah, it was good. It's good. Is, right. is the episode worthy? Yeah, I mean, you could if we could see Knives Out and Parasite. I think they both deal I with saw similar Parasite. things. We yeah. need to do a Parasite episode too. Have you seen it yet, Corey? You need to tighten up, brother. Oh. <laughs> yep. Guess you're not going to be on that episode, of Act Three. <laughs> <laughs> um, end the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're about to end it now, for real, for real. All right, guys. We well, you know you can find us at Kinda Movie Critics on um, Instagram and Facebook, and then at Kinda Movie Crits, C R I T S, on Twitter. Uh, if you have not followed us and you're just listening to us on standby, make sure you pick up that phone, hit that follow button, and uh, if you are on uh, any platform that allows you to do reviews like like Apple Podcasts or uh, SoundCloud. Well, SoundCloud just lets you do like, you know, comments. Uh, take full advantage of that, man. We want to start seeing some more activity. It's okay. Pick up your phone. Leave us a nice review. Five stars. All that fly shit. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, and yeah, that's that. So, uh, as you know, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not. Just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.